Alex, thank you so much for reading God's Word to us uh, this morning. That is fantastic, isn't it? It's great to be with you this morning. It's great to uh, be able to worship God together as his people here, isn't it? Today we're continuing, as Sam said, our series on resolving everyday conflict. It happens every day. That's important, isn't it? Last week we looked at you know, facing you know, our part in any conflict. And we talked about you know, taking the log out of your own eye before you start looking at the speck in your neighbour's eye. Now it's time for confession. Everyone who has not had COVID, could you please put your hand up if you haven't had COVID that you're aware of? Now you're the ones, you're the confessors here. We haven't had COVID. My wife had COVID, I didn't have COVID. If you haven't had COVID, uh, Debbie tells me that that means you're not really good at socialising. <laughs> and that's a very true statement in terms of me and my wife Gail. So she's definitely the socialiser who's had COVID and I'm the slightly less socialiser who hasn't. Today that's what we're looking at. Accepting my responsibility by being willing to confess when I have done something wrong saying those three magical and very difficult little words, I am sorry. That's what we're going to be looking at today, but make sure that you are in a life group, uh, because in the life group uh, they're going to talk uh, more about the topic of today, and you're going to get a, a real lot more out of it, just by talking you know, with ordinary other people who are going through the same thing as you, so if you're not in a life group, Grab that QR code and uh, join a life group today and you can be part of learning more from God's word as well. Uh, my life group, we really enjoyed doing it last night. So let's come before God, let's pray. Father God, open our hearts this morning and our minds as well so that we can understand more about you and more about who uh, Jesus is uh, from your word. Uh, because we want to be more like Jesus. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now in the life group study that will go along with this sermon, you might be doing it this week, uh, we're going to look at how do you make a good confession. And you're going to be looking at the three A's of making a good confession. Uh, because, you know, when you realise that you need to go and make an apology, then you need to be humble enough to go to the person and to ask for forgiveness. And we need to do that in such a way as to be really genuine, you know, to really understand uh, what I have done to cause this and to say it to everybody who was involved. But in the sermon today, I'm going to be looking at how David came along, how he was confronted about his sin, and then how David accepted the consequences, and then how David willingly confessed, not just to God, but in front, more or less, of his whole community, that he had sinned against. 
Now, uh, God sent the prophet Nathan to confront David. And uh, this was after the child had been born. We see that in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 27. So it's, uh, it's at least you know, a year later. A year. Hey, that's a long time, isn't it? Uh, David committed adultery. And he had a guy killed. I mean, he knew he had done wrong. But he never faced up to it. Maybe, you know, he's like us. We enjoy our sin way too much. We're like that. (laughs) We don't like to face up to the things that we've done wrong. We don't like to face up to the truth about sin in our lives. We gloss over it, you know. We say, oh, it's, it's okay, it's okay. We cover it up. Try to hide it from other people and try to hide it from God, which is impossible. <laughs> but, you know, cover-ups often lead to more sin. We lie to cover up. In David's case here, he actually even kills a man to cover up his adultery. It was a year or more later and nobody had confronted David about this until now. Nobody. Well, I mean, after all, he was the king, so you could understand, you know, people would probably be scared, you know, to go to the king and tell him, hey, king, you've done something wrong. People don't seem to be quite as scared about uh, Dan Andrews, but anyway. You know, it's hard to confront somebody, isn't it? It's hard to confront a person about their sin. And it often depends on, you know, our relationship with that person, but even then it's still really hard. But I I am thinking, you know, I mean, are we really doing each other a favour by not doing that? You know, we should be a community here uh, people who we, we should be loving enough to be able to, you know, tell each other, help each other to face sin in our lives. You know, even be willing to go with that person, and and uh, and so that they can uh, uh, confess their sin to to the person that they've done wrong to. You know, that's hard. I mean, it's really hard. You know, if you if you talk to somebody and you confront them about their sin, I mean, they, they could get angry with you, you know. I mean, in this case that we looked at here, we see that Nathan was very, very wise. And David was pretty good about it, actually. He accepted what Nathan said to him when he confronted him. But, you know, God doesn't always confront us by a person. He also confronts us by his word god speaks into our lives he pricks our conscience we hear a word from god we hear a word from another person we hear a word in a song when we are praying god speaks to us and we know because unconfessed sin affects our relationship with God. It also can affect, of course, our relationship with other people as well. 
You know, guilt does that. Un, unforgiven sin, an unforgiving heart does that. Unresolved sin does that in our lives. You know, we should be saying uh, to God, God, send me Nathan. Send me a Nathan. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me, God. Try me. Know my every thought and see if there's any evil in me. Point it out to me, God. I want to know. I want to deal with it. You know, we should be also willing to accept from God and actually from other people as well. When they point out real sin in my life. You know, there's nothing worse in our lives than hidden sin. Pushed down. Hasn't gone away. It's just covered over. Waiting for the opportunity to come back. Uh, number two, accepting the consequences. You know, we would all love to think that, you know, I can uh, confess my sin and, you know, God forgives me and other people, they forgive me and then that's it. You know, nothing else happens. No consequences whatsoever. Well, we know that if we haven't put our faith in Jesus Christ, that there are really big consequences with that. The biggest. It means that uh, when we die, that we're going to go to hell. And that means separated from God forever. And that's really the biggest consequence, the biggest concern that anyone should have in their lives. Yeah, but what about people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. What about a Christian? What about their wrongs? You know, they've been forgiven, we know, because of what Jesus did for them on the cross. And that's, you know, like David here. David was a man after God's own heart. And uh, his sin was forgiven. And we see that right here, actually, in uh, in verses 13 and 14, uh, David said, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan tells him, the Lord has put away your sin. You won't die. But by what you've done, you've scorned the Lord. So your child will die. And there were other consequences as well. And if you read on in the story, you'll see them happen. Now, there are real consequences for a Christian's sin. And they're important. You know, it's because, you know, because consequences show to us just how evil sin really is. And I mean, I mean, just one small example, you know, what about all the... Uh, you know, the sexual abuse of children that happened uh, by people in, in churches, you know, that needs consequences. You know, consequences shows justice and, and that sin is totally against everything that God stands for. And, you know, secondly, God 
uses those consequences to humble us and to help us to grow to be more like Jesus. Hebrews 12 uh, verse 6 says, The Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son and daughter whom he receives. You know, if you're really grieving about your sin, then you would, I think that we would willingly accept God's discipline in our lives. We would agree with God, with whatever God decides, because, you know, we want to learn our lesson. We want to change. We don't want to sin anymore. But, of course, sometimes the consequences of sin are are really devastating, like here with David and the death of a child. You know, the death of an innocent child is, is always tragic. I mean, it always hurts deeply. It's never good. And there's no way that I could, you know, really fully understand this myself or, or even be able to explain it to, to others about why did David's child have to die? And maybe all I can do is just share uh, just a couple of my thoughts here about that. Now, what I can say is, you know, we should be bothered by the effects of sin. You know, God never meant sin to be comfortable. And uh, the same about sin's punishment. And secondly, you know, in this situation, God was punishing David by the death of his child. He wasn't punishing the child. And then, you know, what I, I saw in this, I mean, I looked at David. and What was his reaction to what happened? to God's extremely painful decision in his life. I mean, David pleads with God for seven days. I mean, his grief is so great, they think that he's going to die. And then after the child does die, what does David do? What does he do? He goes to the house of the Lord and worships God. Unbelievable. I don't, I don't know how he did that. But gee, what an example he is to me. I mean, after seven days of crying, his child dies and David goes and worships God. And then you know what he says? He said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. The death of a child never feels right. And yet David accepts the death of his son because it was from God. And because God, uh, he entrusted the eternal salvation of his child into God's hands. I shall go. One day I shall go and be with him. I will see him again.
Uh, now to move on to uh, Psalm uh, 51, uh, David's willing confession. Now, important reason why we confess is because we want to restore uh, a relationship. I mean, when things are left unsaid, when we avoid stuff and we, 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 we never uh, get onto it, you know, it's never good. You know, the issue is always still there. It hasn't gone away. Unresolved conflict often leaves behind with it unresolved sin as well. You know, there's always, there's always something in that relationship that we cannot talk about. You know, a place where this friendship cannot go. And if it doesn't break the relationship, then it sure does cause a very deep cut. And you know, without confession, there's no way that that cut can mend. You know, I'm sure glad that God didn't decide to just keep things hidden, that not, not to bring up the issue between my relationship with him. God didn't leave it alone, leave it to the background and say, well, it'll go away one day. Now God dealt with it. And I'm sure glad that he did because he's the only one who could. Now let's make sure that that, that, that is how we deal with our relationships. We don't Leave them with open cuts. And particularly, I want to stress that in, in family relationships as well. We need to be good confessors. So then, after being confronted by Nathan, uh, David immediately actually confesses to God, to Nathan, and to the community there, I have sinned against the Lord. It's quite immediate there. But the full expression of his confession, actually he writes a little bit later in Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is really a fantastic model of confession. It shows us how we should approach God when we need to confess to God and I think when we should confess to people as well. So let's have a little bit of a look uh, a little bit more closely at Psalm 51. First of all, it begins with verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God. Now this is a man who knows that he's sinned and is taking full responsibility for it. I mean, he's not making any excuses. He's not blaming uh, somebody else. He's uh, not trying to minimise his guilt in any way. I was completely and totally wrong. And then he goes on to say, he says, blot out, wash me thoroughly, cleanse me from my sin. You know, he understands just how guilty he is. David can't fix himself. He needs God. He needs God to clean him. To clean both his actions and his heart as well. All that a guilty sinner can do, you know, is just fall down before a holy God and humbly ask for mercy, as David did here. 
And we need to do that uh, with people sometimes as well. And then he moves on, verse 3. My sin is ever before me. My sin is ever before me. He doesn't say my consequences are ever before me. And that's often how we think. We worry about the punishment or the, the circumstances or, or what's happening to me. He's not asking God to take away the consequences. He's already accepted them. Which just actually shows how sorry he really is. It's his sin that concerns him because that's exactly what concerns God. And you know, the hurt that we have caused to another person, that's what concerns them. So that's precisely what should concern us, isn't it? My sin and what it's done to the other person, what it's done to God. And then he says in verse 4, against you, you only have I sinned. Well, actually, hmm, David also sinned against Bathsheba. You know, he sinned against Uriah, her husband, uh, other people, the whole nation. Um, actually, there was a lot of others involved. But it's God who sets the moral laws, isn't it? I mean, we may have wronged another person, but the law that we've broken is God's. So, for example, you know, if I go and murder a person, I've certainly committed a crime, a great offence against that person. But I've actually broken Victorian law. And the one who's going to hold me to account is the state of Victoria. You know, when we do something wrong, we always, we've always sinned against God and uh, for myself I find that I really like to confess to God first uh, before I go and confess uh, what I've done wrong to another person I always find that I want, I want to be right with God uh, before I talk to the other person about it and then uh, it goes on in verses 5 and 6 David saying it's not just a matter of my sinful actions it's actually also about my, my stubborn, sinful nature that I've got that, that caused these actions. And, and, you know, he's saying he wants God to do a really deep work inside of him. He wants God to give him wisdom. He wants God to change his character, you know, in the hidden part of his life. He's asking God to change his heart. He's asking God to change his attitude he doesn't want to sin anymore. And then it moves on into verses 7 to 12. David pleads for God's forgiveness. He, he knows his sin has caused, you know, it's caused real friction. It's caused real hurt to God and, and it's broken their relationship. And he's got this deep sense of, of emptiness, a sense of, of real loneliness in terms of him and God. You know, guilt does that. But forgiveness restores. David knows God will forgive him. God will forgive him totally. God will forgive him completely. But people don't always do that. They may not. 
you know, forgiveness is their decision. It's their gift to us. And, you know, it can take a person time to forgive as well. Uh, God forgives rather quickly, but, but for us it can take time. We, we go through a process often to forgive a person a deep hurt. And, you know, we can't demand forgiveness. We can't earn forgiveness either by saying what we're going to do, how we're going to change, what we're going to pay. We can't give anything for forgiveness. All we can do is to confess and throw ourselves into God's arms and throw ourselves before another person as well and ask for their forgiveness. We can't earn forgiveness. But you know, that's a hard thing to do. Uh, I find it a bit easier to do it before God, but I find it really hard to do that to, with a person. You know, it takes real guts. Actually, it takes a lot of humility. Mm. I certainly need to learn more humility. And maybe we all do. Let me quote to you 1 John 1 and verse 9. It tells us, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and God is just. And he'll forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then in verse 13, David promises to teach other sinners about God. Now this is what he's going to do. He's going to tell other people about it. He's going to sing about God's wonderful forgiveness. He wants everyone to know how great, how wonderful God is. You know, in a world of conflict, of, of broken relationships. I mean, of, in a world like that, can you imagine confession and forgiveness is such an incredibly powerful message? It's a great witness, isn't it? We need to do an awful lot more of it. You see, sin doesn't please God, but gee, let me tell you, confession and forgiveness really does. It's a powerful witness when we hear of someone's confession like we do in the story here with David. And then David finishes off with a prayer. A prayer for God to, to bless and to uh, protect his people, uh, knowing that God is pleased when we're devoted to him. And so let me, let me suggest, you know, when, when we go to someone to, to confess something uh, significant, then I think it's really good to bring a verse of scripture with you. Something that's meaningful that you might want to share with them. For example, Proverbs 28, 13 Whoever conceals their sin doesn't prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. I'd like to find mercy with you today. You know, it's also great to end a time like that with a prayer. You know, just thanking God for what he's done in that moment as you've confessed to the other person. And, you know, even if the person is not yet a Christian, you, you can ask them for permission if it would be okay for you to pray. Psalm 51 is a really great place to go when we need to confess our sins to God and probably a good place to go when we need to confess our sins to a person as well. Confession, you see, heals relationships, but 
when we refuse to confess, well, that's another story. My dad uh, never did anything wrong. He never said sorry to me. Wasn't the best example in that way. Uh, but you know, that doesn't mean that, that I have to do the same thing. And so, you know, the Bible teaches us that we are to confess and to our children as well, to those closest to us as well. And so Gail and I made it a point that we would always uh, willingly confess our wrongs to our children as well. So, if somebody from this church or a Christian friend of yours comes to you and says, I've got a story to tell you. It's about a rich man and a poor man. You can start getting worried. But I want to say to you, listen to them. Maybe... You're not going to agree with everything they point out in your life. But there may be something there that is really true and really wrong that you've done. Let's be willing to listen. You know, confessing to others isn't easy and I wish, I really wish that um, I had as much trouble sinning as I do confessing but I don't. So I need to learn to confess as much as I sin. We need to be peacemakers. Always being willing to confess what we have done wrong. Have you got an unconfessed sin in your life? Well, you're not fooling God. You're just missing out on God's forgiveness. You know, no matter what your sin, no matter you know, how many times that you've done it, no matter how deep or ugly it may be, God can wash it clean. Be willing to come to him first. I'm going to give us a moment now to pray personally to the Lord. And uh, if God prompts you about maybe a need to say sorry to another person, why don't you make a plan uh, to do exactly that. And then uh, I'll close. I'll just give you a moment now and then I'll close in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, there's uh, no sin that I've committed I've committed a real lot of them that you won't forgive. So just uh, open our hearts, Lord, at this moment. Cleanse me from all those hidden sins which are just too gross to mention, Lord. I confess all my sins before you now because I know and I believe that Jesus' death on the cross has paid the price for all of my wrongs and that you forgive. Thank you, Lord, that you've set me free from guilt and from shame, that I'm really your child, and you love me and you accept me so much. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.